Hello, and welcome to Lots of Familiar, the show that remembers that the BBC's 1986 A Song for Christmas contest was won by Carolyn Hitt with A Child of Peace, and not, as everyone seems to think, Gary Barlow. I'm Tim Worthington, and joining me today to talk about some of the Christmassy things that they remember, that nobody else ever seems to, are writer and broadcaster Georgie Jameson, and writer and broadcaster Bob Fisher. Georgie and Bob, what are you up to and where can we find it? Go on, Georgie, you first. Yes, I'm writing for the British Comedy Guide, so I'm writing articles about classic British comedy, mostly Morecambe and Wise based. <laughs> that's just how I am. I've also got the Suffolk Theatre website, which is for local theatre, particularly amateur theatre, to try and champion that, and I do reviews and Watson's for my local theatres. And then I've got the podcast as well, Georgie and Mavis Talking Squit podcast, which is available on Spotify and Amazon Music and Apple and all the major, wherever you cast your pods, basically. Did you say squit? Yes. It's a good old, I know, I know it everywhere else it means, but yes. in Suffolk, squit is a good old Suffolk word for if you're yarning on a lot of squit. Right, okay. Someone talking rubbish. Really. So who is Squit? <laughs> who is Squit? No, Squit is a thing. Squit is is someone if someone talks nonsense or they oh, okay. tell, a, tell a tale or a yarn, you know, then they're talking Squit. That's like Suffolk Squit is is renowned, <laughs> Randy. <laughs> That's a load of old Squit, ma. <laughs> plenty of that tonight i'm sure yeah so that's so that's that's what i'm doing what about you bob what are you doing oh i'm glad somebody asked i am <laughs> apart from being ill <laughs> apart from, oh i'm not very well have i mentioned oh, that um like to talk about oh dear you? me honestly i don't know about squid there's been an awful lot of snot around here today i write for electronic sound magazine so if you buy the current issue of electronic sound magazine i'm assuming this is going out before christmas tim it should be yeah no that's, that's a ringing endorsement by the current issue of electronic sound magazine you can find my interview with elizabeth parker once of the bbc radiophonic workshop and she was absolutely lovely and yes we did briefly discuss her score to the 1985 doctor who colin baker story time lash so there's that i write for the 40 and times as well i'm in the christmas issue of the 40 and times as well doing my regular haunted generation column and there's mulgrave audio which is the audio production company i co-founded up here in the northeast we'll have a new release out in the new year and the scarred for life folk horror show will be coming to a theater near you in 2020 assuming you live in either Harrogate or York. <laughs> OK, well, the first thing I wanted to mention hadn't got really that much to do with folk horror or Harrogate or York. Oh, what a shame. Unless there's some kind of contrivance based on the route through which I discovered it. Sleigh Ride by Leroy Anderson and the, in quote marks, Pops Orchestra, has to be in quote marks. The reason I've mentioned this is that it's a tune that I used to hear a lot when I was growing up, but I didn't have a clue why it was called. It would turn up particularly on things like local radio and regional TV news reports. I'll come back to that, sort of to denote Christmas was on its way. But no says, you know, no Spotify, no Shazam, no Google. There's no way of knowing what this was called. It was a tune where I just thought, this is really exciting. This sounds like Christmas is on its way. And it was years before I found out what it was called. The main association I had with it was on Look Northwest, which is the old BBC sort of regional news programme for the Northwest. They used to have an appeal every year, fronted by a presenter that we cannot name now, who would set off to the sound of Sleigh Ride, that exact recording of Sleigh Ride, dressed as Santa in an open-top bus collecting canned goods. 
I mean, was there a more 80s phrase than that? <laughs> but I just used to think, what is, I love that music, but I don't know what it's called. What is it? I only found out what it was called when I got hold of the Partridge Family Christmas album. Well, there's a terrible version of it with lyrics. You know, the official lyrics, but at that point I didn't know it had lyrics. And I remember being really disappointed by how bad that was. But the weird thing is that Obviously, that version's got lyrics. You only hear it with lyrics these days because the Ronettes did it on a Christmas gift for you from Phil S Records, as I insist on calling it. That's what it was originally called. We don't... Again, somebody we can't name now later got his name into the title. Blimey. And, like, the Spice Girls did it and all kinds of people like that all did it with the vocals. But to me... We can talk about the Spice Girls, can we? Well, we can, but it's better in that instrumental form where it's got that sort of... that attack, that swagger that you don't get in the vocal version that is, (laughs) hey, it's Christmas and what are you going to do about it? It's a song that you sing in dings, isn't it? It's one of those songs. Ding, 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 ding. I don't know any actual words to it, just dings. I do have an equivalent to that, actually. It's Troika by Prokofiev, which is the one that goes ding, 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 which I heard throughout my childhood, and I had absolutely no idea what it was at all. And like you, Tim, it wasn't that easy to find out. But then in my... It was my first Christmas at secondary school, at Conyers School, where Mrs Usher, who was our music teacher, uh, she led a little topic. We did a project on Prokofiev at the end of our first term at secondary school. Uh, that came up. So I, I'm, I'm guessing it would have been the week before Christmas. Oh, actually, possibly not the week before Christmas, given how early schools started to celebrate Christmas. My memory is that we did that tune, that ditty, as part of our music lesson, probably the week before we broke up for Christmas, and suddenly everything clicked together in my head. It was, oh, that's it. That's the one. I think it it must have been played to us on one of those huge reel-to-reel tape recorders that were still in use in school music departments. Probably still some around now. Surely still some secondary schools that have refused to join the digital revolution and play things from from an iPhone with a Bluetooth speaker. No, in 2023, we'll still get out the huge reel-to-reel tape player and wind these reels of tape around it. I do hope this week there are people wheeling a massive telly into a classroom <laughs> on a big trolley as well. And these last these last couple of days of term, just, yeah, I hope it's not just all done. With doors. <laughs> Tellies had doors in those days, <laughs> didn't they? Doors. Yes, well, they doors, yes. You, you couldn't possibly have a like a, just a, a television set in your house without trying to make it look like an item of Georgian furniture. Had to look like a cocktail cabinet or something. Let's put door. Let's put doors on the screen to pretend we haven't really got a television. What was that about? To be it honest, all any burglars that broke into the school. Which so, do you know what? Yeah, Once they probably like, our primary the school was cabinet. broken into, and some burglars got the big TV on wheels halfway across the playground, and it was sat there in the morning when we came into school, looking very sorry and sad and dilapidated somehow but why did they bother getting it that far and then just think ah you're all right and leave it (laughs) i just said to be honest there were some teachers at my school that probably did have a cocktail cabinet somewhere in the staff room (laughs) especially at christmas exactly yes oh mr hurst's got the advocar out again
But because of those big TVs, you see, I was the reverse of you. I actually knew what Troika was because it right. was used in the BBC Schools programme Music Time did an animated presentation of Lieutenant Kije. They, they, they did one every year that was animated by Bureau and Hardwick who animated a lot of sort of BBC children's and schools things around that time. And yet they did the Troika as part of it. And so I knew what it was called. Unlike Sleigh Ride, which I did not know the identity of for years. The only thing I really know about Sleigh Ride is that it was always played really badly by recorder group at the Christmas concert. <laughs> was anything ever played well? I mean, no. even The Fool on the Hill, the recorder sounds terrible on that. You, you've been traumatised by recorders here, yeah. Georgie. I'm, I'm sensing there's some deep undercurrent here that we haven't fully explored. Were you forced to play a recorder as a child? We all were. We all were. We, there was music lessons and there was recorder. It was a separate subject <laughs> is that because you couldn't count it as music no no i don't think anyone could ever count it's just torture isn't it the recorder? <laughs> and we had to do recorders and i was spectacularly bad at it i think possibly i was sucking when i was supposed to be blowing i don't know <laughs> Story it comes to life. us all yeah. <laughs> i was just, and there were people that got really good at it so they got to play treble or bass, you know, they've got the really big ones, and I'm like, and I'm still giving it three blind mice, and <laughs> just dreadful. Descant recorder, that was a that, thing, wasn't it? That was it. Did you have a? De- I've no idea what it means. Did you have a descant no. recorder? No, they barely gave me a tin whistle. It used to stick <laughs> in the back. <laughs> I was terrible. I was terrible at it. Traumatized. I did recently. I was talking about going to review shows locally Mm. i went to see a christmas spectacular recently which was amazing it made you feel really christmassy but there was a line of dancing reindeer coming out to sleigh ride (laughs) by leroy anderson all right it was a local dance school and the co-op juniors shout out to the co-op juniors they're amazing so you've got all these young girls dancing dressed as reindeer in like a tiller girl lineup giving it you know the high kicks wow how many legs did they have just there was everywhere there was a lot of them (laughs) were they on all fours no! All right, okay. Well, that's an impressive high kicking routine if they were. No, they were, they were prancing. <laughs> <laughs> that's what they do, isn't it? Yeah, are there, are there, is there any other any other genus of animal that prances <laughs> apart from the reindeer? One of them's actually called Prancer. It's called Prancer, so, isn't yes. it? That's right. Yes, they were prancing, so they were <laughs> kicking their legs up with the red nose, the antler. When you said they were reindeers doing like a high kicking routine, I genuinely had a mental image of them on all fours, like kick, like like, like dopping from that. Like, yes, exactly. <laughs> well, I thought like kicking their back legs out. No, they were like Tiller girls doing high kicks. <laughs> <laughs> like Dobbin from Rent-A-Ghost. Congratulations. Not... That's always my frame of reference is how to relate to Rent-A-Ghost. It was oh, less stop making me laugh. I'm not well. And more, and more Sunday night at the London Palladium. It was that. I do have to ask, though, in the very sort of roundabout way, given that, you know... <laughs> is that any good? I've got PTSD now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, seriously. Have you got a recorder to hand? I've got a descant recorder. I still don't know what it means, though. Only you. Only you would have one of those to hand. Oh. (laughs) 
Sorry, carry was that on. Along Comes Mary by the Association? <laughs> yes, yes, it was. Yes, absolutely. I do have to ask, though, in a very roundabout way, because, I mean, you've both been involved, you know, very heavily with local broadcasting. And there was this thing about, I am getting to a point, don't worry, but you know the way, you know, now people will say, oh, Christmas starts earlier every year, even if it's, you know, 7pm on the 24th, and there'll be somebody saying, you're mentioning Christmas too early. Uh, now I have to sell my utility boom. There was this sort of way where you will get these appeals launched on the local news, on sort of like the six of December yeah. and Christmas still felt like an incredible length of time away and there's a weird cognitive dissonance of thinking I know it's going to be Christmas but it's very far in the distance I, I could never quite square that and I still can't now even from honest you know when all the Christmas movies like for, what is it fall backwards for Christmas so they start appearing on <laughs> Netflix and you know it's like yeah but it's only the 2nd of December and as germane as I am to the idea of starting celebrating Christmas early there's still that long gap but what I'm actually sort of trying to ask is get on with it did either of you ever fulfil that role were you ever Santa collecting canned goods <laughs> It's not a traditional role for Santa, is it? Collecting canned goods. No, no, not come down Give the... me your oxtail soup. Exactly. Oh, here he comes down the chimney on Christmas Eve with his traditional cry of bring me a tin of marrowfat peas. <laughs> it's not what he does as a rule. It's not in the job description. I have, however, I have, I have indeed been Santa on several occasions oh at several goodness. different Teesside schools. I believe, if memory serves, for those unaware of this <laughs> glorious backstory, I was once an afternoon presenter on BBC Tees, uh, inexplicably, and God knows they soon saw the error of their ways. <laughs> but Georgie was a, a regular guest. She was a weekly guest on my programme, and she was the was showbiz like a, correspondent. I was, I was literally like a, a dirty secret, because... I, on, well, I, I, apart from the fact that we broadcast it live on BBC <laughs> local radio, I know. But I know given the, given the listening figures that I achieved, I think it's fair to say it was a dirty secret. Actually, well, yes, carry on. Well, the, well this, well, in as much as I didn't live on Teesside, I'd only been to Teesside once to come and see you. <laughs> and, and well, that was about six months before I finished. Yeah, I know, and uh, <laughs> that's what that's what finished it all. And then, <laughs> and then, and the management never questioned it, did they? They never said, who is this woman? Well, they didn't <laughs> listen. I don't think they did. And then I, I ended up as the afternoon presenter on Radio Suffolk. That's right, yes. Yeah, yeah. I believe that I once presented the afternoon show in a full Santa outfit, and not because of BBC-related jolly japes, but that uh, my friend, Mr Hurst, who was, in fact, my old primary school teacher in the 1980s, but in more recent years, he became a mate and roped me in to be Santa at his school's Christmas fates. So I think in about 2015, 2016, I presented the BBCT's afternoon show in full Santa costume, including a, a segment with Georgie down the line. Uh, because quite <laughs> frankly, I had to be at the school at half past four in the afternoon and I wouldn't have had time to get changed and then dash over there after the afternoon show had finished. So I, I did, I did a full... told me that you were dressed as Santa whilst we were I don't want to get you too excited live on air. Well, I would have done, yeah. <laughs> 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 and have you been a good girl this Christmas? All that. Oh, dear. Hey, all right. All... Well, now I've gone all hot. So you've never been Santa then, Georgie? I've never been Santa, but I have been Pudsy Bear. Hang on. That wasn't the same programme, was it? 
<laughs> no, no, it wasn't the same time. <laughs> both, I, was, I was just as Santa and you were just as Pudsy and neither of us told the other one. No, it wasn't at the same time. It wasn't simultaneously dressed up as characters. <laughs> we were not like football mascots. Uh, <laughs> I've done that as well. Oh, have you? Oh, my goodness. Those costumes are really hot, aren't they? Yes, they and are. They're, and they're very strange. And the head on Pudsy's massive. And so you, it's quite disorientating because you're not looking through the eyes. The eyes are way up above <laughs> your actual head. You're looking through the slit of the mouth. So it's mm. really weird. It was a big afternoon tea party outside broadcast for children in need. And Pudsy had been out and about all day and arrived at this do. And it was my mate Vicky who was in the costume. And she's about five foot two and I'm about five foot seven. So the legs, the feet are flapping about on this thing. And she's been in various <laughs> fields at primary school. So they're all muddy. And all Pudsy's arrived. Oh, lovely. And then off she goes. I get into Pudsy because we're on like a, a rotor system. We're like a relay. Was there a shift? <laughs> yeah, there's a shift pattern because you can't be in the damn thing all day. Oh, mental. Just, just clocking off now. Yeah. Get my card Clock- stamped. Here's the next one. <laughs> Done me time in Pudsy. Anyway, I get in it. <laughs> Haven't we all, dear? I get in it. Suddenly, Pudsy's about five or six inches taller. <laughs> and, and two or three dress sizes bigger and much more curvaceous. Suddenly, wow. sexy Pudsy appears. Sexy, <laughs> hashtag sexy Pudsy. So Pudsy suddenly now looks like Babs wins. <laughs> and I come out and it's really hot and people start giving me children. And you've got, you've got these massive hands on as well, like a goalie. You've got no purchase on anything. You can't feel anything. And everyone, oh, I want babies. People shoving babies at me going, I want to take a picture of Pudsy with my children. So I'm holding all these children. And suddenly one of the mums starts stroking the front of me. Oh, Pudsy, look, look, darling, saying to her little one, lovely Pudsy. And then realises Pudsy has breasts and that she is quite clearly just feeling my boobs. Good Lord. And suddenly went, oh, oh, dear, oh, sorry, Pudsy. Like this, this is a little bit of hot girl on Pudsy action. <laughs> Hashtag girl on Pudsy. Right in the middle of a tea party. Well, I've, I've been pudsy as well, but nobody did oh. that to me. I liked it. Mine was at a, a, a local school. I feel like we're breaching some kind of code of secrecy here. Is there, oh, is there a pudsy don't... code of practice? No, they're just pudsies help us helping out during a busy period, yes, which is one the, day of the, the entire pudsies, year. Well, which is just little I helpers. didn't sign anything, did you, Bob? We don't work for him anymore. I rarely signed anything. Yeah, I, I, Pudsy's not real, I don't know. Oh, blimey, it's all coming out now. This is it. We've been cancelled for this. We, we are children in need SWAT team will abseil down the side of the building. Helmed by Sue Cook. <laughs> <laughs> in a balaclava. Um, so, uh, yes, I was put in a school playground once. I, I was invited. I didn't just turn up in the costume. And I, I had to take... <laughs> hundreds of Pudsies just all randomly wandering around a school place. You say that, that sounds exactly like the kind of idea that BBC Local Radio would get behind with some great enthusiasm. <laughs> we want all the presenters dressed up as Pudsies and we're all going to go to the same school playground and do a live OB all day. 
You know it's true, John. If you'd have suggested <laughs> that in 2010, they'd have oh, bitten they'd your have, hands off for that. They'd have, they'd have made me DG. They'd have had a radio <laughs> car down there all day. Pudsey in about 2007. My abiding memory is that I had to take part in a penalty shootout in the playground against Rory, who was the Middlesbrough Football Club mascot. He's a lion. I couldn't see what I... He did. I couldn't see what I was Who doing. Won? I couldn't. I couldn't see out of Pudsey's mouth. You can't. And then, you can't see what you're doing in it. And then I was mobbed, or as I like to think of it, assaulted by a party of seven-year-olds who pulled me to the ground. All I could hear was one particularly strident child saying very loudly, "It's just a fella. It's not a real bear. It's just a fella. Look, you can see his wrists." At least you weren't sexually assaulted like I was. No, I can, I can vouch for that. <laughs> I mean, it was just—it was just—it was, nice. just it was just my wrists that were manhandled. Oh well. <laughs> well, yeah. No, it was very nice. I wasn't bothered. It made. Anyway, crash. <laughs> so I'm stepping that angle of it. I was going to say, yeah, sorry, get back on, to it? school territory, which we were because he were happy, innocently happy taking penalty shootouts at school. We're coming up with Goldusty, and I bet he cuts all this out. I mean, obviously, he was talking about the fact that it does seem like early December is a long way to Christmas when you're that age. But in school, things start early. But I did mention to both of you one thing I wanted to bring up yes. was the school Christmas fair. And you both told no, me. No, I that don't you recall a Christmas one. fair. We had we had summer fates. No, right? we, we definitely no. had Christmas fairs every year. And the main reason I wanted to mention it is there is one thing that we always had at ours that I've never met anyone else who knows what on earth I'm talking about. This includes some people I was at school with. Some of them do remember it, but others have no recollection of it, which is you know the way you'd have all the stalls where you know, in those days, we were quite lucky. People were chucking out annuals yes. from the 60s and early 70s. So you walk away with, like, TV21 and Danger Man annuals or, like, board games like that Pink Panther Chase one with the inspectors trying to arrest him. But as well, you know, you had all things like the Bottle Tombola and there was always a bar area where if you sorry-looking individuals with a sorry-looking trestle table with one cardboard sign saying nobody under 18 passed this point. And you would think, who thought it was worth having a drink? Mr. Mr. Watson selling <laughs> bottles of <Really>? scone. <laughs> quite sad isn't it but there was something called the chocolate train which is an attraction where you paid money for the name of a station which was given to you and there's a circular length of track which a clockwork train was put on and when it wound down it stopped if it was at or near to your station you won the chocolate bar now i've never met anyone else whose school did this at any point i did not imagine it it's real i did not imagine free chocolate i know technically it wasn't free because you had to pay to go on it but that's beside the point but it seems to have been not just a localised tradition, but localised to one school at one we, specific We definitely didn't have that. We did have a Stantus post box at our primary school. Did you have that as well? Oh, yeah, right. we had that. No, see, we never yeah. had that. What went in it? Yeah. Same principle, Georgie. So I was... Did no, you write no, two actually, no, 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 I, I've remembered this completely incorrectly. It wasn't... It wasn't yeah, in it. Just, <laughs> just, just <laughs> stick Pins a tin of... Process, well, please. Take a tin of pineapple chunks in there, straight to Father <laughs> Christmas. I've remembered this completely incorrectly. It wasn't Santa's post box. It was a post box to send cards to your school friends. Yes, it was. Wasn't it? Yeah, you could yes. send it to your school friends or friends in other classes. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, so it was, it was set up in the hall 
probably decorated with crepe paper, as everything oh, seemed to be in the paper. 1970s. And you, so it was like basically a post box. And you, if I wanted to send a card to my friend Andrew Sugden, and why wouldn't I? Because Andrew Sugden was a nice lad. I would write it out, put Andrew Sugden on the envelope and stick it in the post box in the hall. And he would receive it. But about a fortnight later, <laughs> he would receive it on the 10th of January. I assume some poor teacher was given the thankless task of emptying the post box every day. Poor Mr Millward bogged his guts out in the classroom all morning, then had to spend his lunch hour sifting through like 27 badly written Christmas cards trying to work out who to give them to in the afternoon. You had to put the class number on, didn't you? You had to put like 4D or whatever it was. You know, oh, we didn't. Where... We didn't even have class numbers at my primary school. Did I went to not? like basically a, a sort of very 1970s hippie, liberal, progressive primary school. Crikey! That would have been uh, class numbers would have been the sign of a repressive dictatorship. <laughs> we didn't have that at my school. Oh, did you not? Oh no, we had like you know like. R one or whatever it was, if you if, if you know S two or whatever it no. was, you know the the first the the initial of your teacher. So if you had Mrs Smith, it would be S, and then if you were third year or whatever, then three. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, we we didn't, we didn't have any that. of that. No, my school was like Woodstock. Was it really? Completely free. It was the it was the primary school of please yourself. It was free and easy. Let it all hang out. Didn't even have classes. Just sat where you wanted. I thought you were going to say didn't even have clothes. I thought you just we did have clothes. Naked. It wasn't a naturist like, primary school. Like an epi- like like hair or something. <laughs> <laughs> she only <laughs> went to when brass just... tacks would go to a free school on the BBC. And the yeah, it was a bit. It was. Hey, let us do what yeah. I want here, but that oh, yeah. gets a bit boring, doesn't it? And then there'd be a, a trial about one had thrown I don't, a crisp packet at another, and it was treated as if it was a war crime. Yeah, it was a little bit like that actually. That was that was not a million miles away from my primary school. Oh, crikey. Oh, yes, it was all happening up here in the I northeast did, in the 1970s. I didn't know this about you, Bob. That's very exciting. Oh, absolutely. So did you have a Christmas disco? Because we didn't have a Christmas fair, but we'd have a Christmas disco. No, that would that would have been an appalling concession to the bourgeoisie. <laughs> <laughs> well, did you get, like you did at school Christmas fairs, teachers out of context and technically yeah. out of uniform? Yeah, it blows your mind, doesn't it? Because they're not wearing their suits or smart skirts or anything anymore. They You'd finish school at half past three or whatever it was, but then the disco would be at five. So you could all come back in your party outfits. So, of mm. course, the teachers had got changed as well. And there'd be a buffy. There'd be, you know, a few sandwiches and orange squash and sausage rolls and things. And then music and you dance and the teachers would dance as well and it was just they weren't wearing ties you know i mean it was just blows your mind teachers out of context there was two things about teachers teachers out of context so either seeing them out in everyday life like around the shops or oh yes whatever yeah it was your life's work to try and find out your teacher's christian names did you find any particularly hilarious ones? No, but we still, so we'd make them up. Like we had a, <laughs> we had a, we had a teacher called Mr. Pitt. Well, of course, now you think of Brad Pitt. And so it's quite sexy and quite cool, but he was not, he was an RE teacher. And so we just used to call him Cecil. Cause it was Cesspit. <laughs> Cesspit. <laughs> That's straight out of the Whiz Kids handbook. That's sensational. Is it? Genius, yeah. isn't it? Uh, and, and there was a there was a teacher, his name was Julian, and we all thought that was highly hilarious. I don't know why we thought the name Julian was hilarious. It's a perfectly standard name. Absolutely, but, yeah. But you would always try and find out what a teacher's 
name was. And if you saw them out with their wife or their husband or other half, like around the shops or at the cinema or something like that, it was like, mm. oh, no, I've just seen <laughs> Mr. Weed with his wife. Oh, my God. We didn't have discos in the school hall, but we did create Christmas decoration for our school hall. Which are we aware of the concept of the freeze? Oh, yes, the freeze. That's a very 1970s thing. That's a a 1970s liberal, trendy school thing. Hey, kids, once we've finished listening to Santana, we're going to create a freeze for the hall. (laughs) So this was basically, it was, um, it went all the way around the, like, like the top of the school hall, the top of the walls just beneath ceiling level. And the bloody thing must... I mean, it must have been yards and yards long, but it was a freeze that depicted the story of the 12 days of Christmas, of the swans are swimming and the gold rings and all that. And children were pressed into service. Probably, it must have taken months. We probably started it around the middle of February. I contributed, I think, a lord a-leaping to the 12 days of Christmas <laughs> freeze that went around the top of our school hall walls. I made one lord a-leaping... I assume with 11 other hapless kids who made the other 11 lords are leaping. How many things are there in the 12 days of Christmas in total? There's be dozens of them. Well, I'm more concerned about... I do honestly believe there's a difference between leaping and are leaping, and I wonder if that was captured in your lord. Well, until I answer that question, Tim, I'll need to know what you perceive as the difference. Well, I think leaping is like, you know, like an Olympic athlete or somebody doing the hurdles. That's a leap, whereas are leaping is kind of like an airborne toff Possibly slightly <laughs> squiffy, toasting right, okay. imaginary crowds with a bubbling yes. glass of whatever alcohol it is. Preferably not a carbonated one, just with bubbles well, was, coming out of it regardless. And breaking the angle top hat and a monocle. Was... That to me is our leaping. And <laughs> I think it's even our apostrophe leaping, which is even more right, sort of okay. dynamic and thrusting. Yeah, well, if it was 1979, I imagine the beverage in question would have been Croft Original. Oh, no, if it's going to have sparkly, it would be a baby sham. It'd be a baby sham, wouldn't it? Baby yes. Sham. In one of those we're, glasses. We're, 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 back, know, we're back to reindeers doing high kicks. Yeah, and he's got his top hat at a jaunty angle. I've just done a, I've just done a mental add up, and I think there's 68 things. Bloody hell, that was quick. How do you manage that? Are you well, some sort of maths genius? I didn't know about that. Are you, the, are you Carol Vorderman of BBC Suffolk? Oh, hey, I've tried to get Carol Vorderman on, looks unfamiliar. Hasn't happened yet. So, no, well, Carol, so, there's your challenge. There's Come on here challenge. and beat Georgie. Not while she's dressed as Putsy Bird. That's something different. <laughs> I don't think you need to get Carol Vorderman on. Or if you, if you do, she, see if she can work out how many different objects are in the 12 days of Christmas quicker well, than Georgie Jameson, because bloody <laughs> hell. But how do you do that? I'm genuinely stunned by that. Are that was really? seconds. I've probably not got it right. Yeah, I think I've done it right. Well, the thing is, my mental arithmetic, when I started presenting at Radio Suffolk, my mental arithmetic got really good because I was known as the back-timing queen and I could, <laughs> I could deduct from 59.43 like nobody's business to hit wow. the, the jingle on time. Oh, that's, it's a dark art and I could never master it. I did, I, did, <laughs> I did 22 years on BBC local radio. I never once hit a news bulletin on time. We used to be about two or three minutes over, didn't we? On a two, two or three? Minutes. That was a good day. I remember, I genuinely remember us rabbiting on about something or other, and I was looking, looking through the little glass window, and it was about seven minutes past one, I saw the, I saw the newsreader check his watch and, like, blow his cheeks out. <laughs> 
I suppose they just didn't cut us off. Well, ultimately, they did. <laughs> well, yeah, ultimately, they did, didn't they? Both of us. They just said... But is there any remaining evidence of the Lord leaping anywhere? I actually have a photograph, amazingly, of the freeze, of the, the big freeze of 1979. <laughs> <laughs> Very, oh dear, that, that's what 22 years on local radio does to your mind. I do actually have a photograph because my mum was a dinner lady at my primary school. I, mean, I don't know if it was like Woodstock in the canteen. I don't know if it was the permissive society at Leavendell Primary School canteen. But... Did Tommy James and the Shondells often perform? <laughs> <laughs> but my mum was a dinner lady and she, for the it was some anniversary or other of the school, maybe 10 years, I can't remember, but they'd baked a cake, so and it was presented to the entire school in the hall, and my mum, I assume my mum anyway, took a picture of it, which I've got. I only found it quite recently, and you can clearly see the freeze with the 12 days of Christmas on can that picture. Can you see your Lord? Is your I Lord a-leaping on I don't, that I don't, I, I don't believe my Lord a-leaping is fully visible, sad to say. In my heart, he remains. It's like a missing Lord. It's like BBC Test Card B. Where it's just like part of it. <laughs> it's in the background of a, a photo of something else and you can just see a bit of it. Are we going to have to do a, yes. a loose cannon reconstruction of your Lord <laughs> yes. with the original audio with Tommy James and the Shondells playing in the background? We'll get somebody to animate it. Who do we? Who do we know that's got not shown? Wouldn't it? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Lord of Leaping. Yeah, in brackets. <laughs> not shown. <laughs> not shown. Cake model zone. <laughs> cake Fisher's mum's own. But that is a good moment to move on to. I know you've both got some absolute humdingers coming in this section, but I just want to talk about odd, unusual decorations. And maybe Advent calendars how they used to be as well, but it's one thing I really wanted to bring up, which is, even over and above, my grandparents' nativity crib, which had been sort of, over the years it had evolved as figures had gone missing, and there was one giant elongated cow in the middle of it who was my favourite. Like, this mutant cow that towered over the shepherds. But we also had... <laughs> On the Christmas tree that we had when I was very young, because I always felt really cheated when we started getting proper Christmas trees. So we used to have a, I think it was Marks and Spencer's sort of like tinsel tree, you like an artificial one. Yeah, yeah. And I yeah. much preferred that. And it was never quite the same when we got real ones. You know, when they became, somehow they became more easily available in the early 80s. It might be that Europe thing that we used to be in. Who knows? Real Christmas trees became more available to my dad in the early 1980s because we lived quite close to a wood. <laughs> But on this tree... Christmas, Christmas 1984, he came back with a tree that wouldn't have disgraced Trafalgar Square. <laughs> my, and, and my mum said, where the bloody hell did you get that from? I, I'll never forget his reply. He said, found it. And he put his saw back in the garage. But on this artificial <laughs> tree, we used to have... I mean, there were there's some very 70s decorations on it, but there were sort of concertina crepe paperish snowmen and Santas, but also clowns. I just remember these Ooh, pink and yellow yeah. clowns that were off a piece with them. I remember thinking, but I don't understand. Clowns don't go at Christmas. No. What is happening a... there? And I've asked my parents, and there's no explanation for it. They just they came with the snowmen. There's always a circus on telly at Christmas, wasn't there? Concertina Christmas decorations, I definitely remember. Yes. Because um, it was normally, for the Santa, it was always the stomach that was the concertina bit. 
So you'd get a cardboard Santa and it would clip to the side and then you'd unclip it like a paperclip type of thing. Yes. And out would come the big concertina belly. I'd totally forgotten about this. Yes. Christmas yeah. decorations with clips. Like it's like you can we used to have I'm just gonna say the word balls. Yes. We had like Christmas balls. And <laughs> not not the type that you had at school, the pair of you. Um but kind of like like concertina-ish balls, but they'd fold up into a like a, a flat semicircle. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then, then you could open, open the whole up. thing out into a globe, into like a yeah. gaudily coloured globe, but you had to clip it. Yeah, you had to clip it. It was almost like a sort of foil type. You'd yeah, bend it over. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then you could hang them from the ceiling, couldn't you, with your paper chains or whatever. Exactly they were, they were that. quite big, yeah. And we had these Santas that with concertina bellies. And, I, and because I, they'd rip, because it was just paper, wasn't it? The concertina stuff on the balls or the bellies or whatever. I think there's one important ingredient into our childhood Christmas decorations that doesn't really feature anymore, and that's saliva. <laughs> paper you, chains paper are we talking about? I'm talking paper chains paper here. Chains. Yeah, yeah, well, where did paper chains disappear? People got too posh to lick, I think. Or oh, they got too fancy. It was all tinsel, you see, and they weren't bothered with paper anymore. I spent hours making paper chains. You'd buy them in little... They was pastel shaded, weren't they? Mm. The, the colour of TV sets in the mid-1980s. <laughs> of paddle show TV sets were always lilac and pink. And paper chains were the same colours. And I'd sit for hours licking them. I'd make enough paper chains. I could, you, could, you, could, you could get to Carlisle with the paper chains <laughs> that I've made. Well, I've a very vivid memory of a girl saying to a teacher that she didn't like the taste of, like, the paper chains when you licked them and was told, lick this spatula instead and wipe that off. <laughs> what? <laughs> Which is A, counterproductive, and B, revolting. <laughs> Where would the spatula come from? It was one of the ones, you know, those green ones that ostensibly were used for applying glue, but they were incapable of applying anything to anything ever. You've just described it, Tim. You haven't told me where it came from. I was going to say, was it still covered in <laughs> glue he, from the arm? Did he have, Pretty did much, he have it yeah. about his person? Did this teacher keep it for such a specific purpose? There were always spatulas in the classroom in those days. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, so he was encouraging her to lick the spatula and then apply the saliva yes. to the paper chain. <laughs> God, and I thought it was time-consuming just licking the chains. She must have been there for weeks. She did go on to become a virologist, by the way, so I don't have two things to link. I've just thought of another concertina bit oh. part, and it would be the nose on a reindeer. Oh, yes, yeah. Rudolph's big red nose. And that would, would get be battered very slightly out of shape within yeah. a couple of days. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Not going to guide your sleigh tonight with that, is he? <laughs> Basically, it would co you could concertina anything that was going to stick out. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we've lost something with Christmas decorations in recent decades. Yes. They were much more tactile, weren't they? They demanded a certain participation. It's like balloons. I don't know anyone who puts balloons up at Christmas anymore. That's but true. They, but that used to be an essential part of Christmas. Mm. And, of course, that requires, you know, blowing up and saliva and spit and puff, doesn't it? When did we stop using balloons as Christmas decorations? I'd totally forgotten that, but you're absolutely right. We had balloons basically all over the top of our doors for three yeah. weeks around Christmas yeah. time. And then as, as the festive period progressed... 
They kind of slowly deflate. Oh, there was the cunning variant on that, which is when they started giving out helium-filled balloons at school fairs, which obviously neither of you will have encountered, but no. <laughs> a younger sibling would bring one home that would rise up to the ceiling overnight, and then the next couple of days would slowly descend at various levels. <laughs> it was literally hovering in midair at different stages for a couple of days. We didn't have helium on side in the 1970s. We barely had oxygen on side in the 1970s. The other Christmas decoration that we had, well, my mum's still got it. It's under her tree. It's like a squishy Santa and he's got a big white beard. So he's not fur. He's not like a plushie. He's just, it's sort of a funny sort of <laughs> polyester, basically. Mm-hmm. But he's, he's all squishy. He's obviously got, he's obviously full of foam or whatever. But he's got this big white beard and he is the absolute spitting image of former Labour Health Secretary Frank Dobson. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe former Labour Health Secretary Frank Dobson was Santa. Oh, there's something we've never been told here. Well, I have just looked up. He was named Beard 2000 by the Beard Liberation (laughs) Front in the year 2000, conveniently. (laughs) Does he go around collecting canned goods? Apparently he told them to stick it when they offered... (laughs) He told them to stick it. Fantastic. You don't get that from politicians these days, do you? They have a whole PR team behind that now. I'd like to give you an award. Stick ah, it. Stick it. <laughs> stick it. I shall have to take a picture of him underneath my mum's tree when I next go round. Please do. It'll probably be Christmas Day. Is this like a tradition, though? Like somewhere out there, there's a Liz Truss elf. It's <laughs> just Liz Truss. Well, listeners, faithful listeners, maybe you can get in touch and tell us. Do you have a vintage Christmas decoration that looks like Jeffrey Howe? Get in touch. <laughs> Surely that would, be, that would be one of the sheep in the nativity scene, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> they would have got, they'd have got three weeks out of this on That's Life. We'd have got a whole week of content out of this on local radio. Yeah, I say we'd have got four weeks out of this, so yeah, absolutely. Let's yeah. have in. Have you got a Christmas decoration that looks like a former <laughs> cabinet secretary? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to see if there's anything here that, you know. They'd have gone mad for that on local radio. Can you imagine it. the kind of calls you would have got as well? Brilliant. Hello, we Bob. Hello, Georgie. <laughs> Georgie. <laughs> I've got. I've got a Christmas tree that looks a little bit like Michael Eseltine. In in the right light, if you squint. (laughs) If you meet me in reception tonight, I'll show you a picture of it. I'm sure you will. Yes, they would have gone. They would have gone nuts for that. They'd have loved yep, it. Loved it. Loved it. Oh. All I can say is I've just got red stars on my tree, and none of them look anything like Angela Rayner or Jess Phillips. So <laughs> I can't contribute. Sorry. Oh, what a shame. I mean, I'm sure they're both. They know their way around the red star, given their leanings. I would imagine so, wouldn't you? Yes. Yeah. The red flag. <laughs> But speaking of getting four weeks of content, we have to talk about what has happened to Advent calendars. I say that, I don't want to sound like, you know, a sort of bloke in the question time audience going, (laughs) properly in my day. But it's more that I just think I have nothing against chocolate Advent calendars, but I don't see what the reward is when it's the same chocolate every day, especially if it's like miniature heroes or something. 
The same chocolate every day sounds bloody marvellous to me, Yeah, Tim. but there's no... There's Something no, you don't know you're born. There's no excitement in the same way you get, you know, so there's some shepherd sort of leaning backwards a bit. What a privileged upbringing you clearly had. You told me in 1979 I could have a piece of chocolate every day. My God. No, 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 no. We had the shepherdy calendar. Are you t- hang on, are you trying to one-up me on that? Are you saying you had an advent calendar when you opened it? A boxing glove in the spring came out. <laughs> <laughs> or some, some empty canned cuts. Actually, I can't. I, I, I will concede that we. I, I definitely did have a chocolate-filled calendar in about 1979. Because <gasps> on the 2nd of December, our, our cat discovered it and ate the lot. <laughs> no! <laughs> well, that's why we've got our son's chocolate advent calendar up high, really high, where the cats don't go. Right, because, OK. Because, yeah, but no, I just used to have an advent calendar where you had a picture every day and you've just got a square of chocolate on the 24th. That was it. See, sometimes you, you didn't even have that. You, up to... you just had to starve on the 24th. Do Advent oh. calendars go up to the 25th now? Is that a great cultural shift? I think they no, do, I don't, think don't they? So. So I think some do, some don't. Right, I OK. I think it depends on how easy it is to manufacture. Whether it, if it's easy to do the 25 doors, they just do that. Yeah. So Yeah, I just used to get a piece of chocolate on either Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, whichever one was the last one. The Leaning Shepherds sounds like a band that were in session with Peel, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) Got their first two albums, Georgie. Two more tracks, Rob. Yeah, and now now Advent calendars, it's not just chocolate. That's a very basic one. If you just give your child a piece of chocolate every day, that's the right. Other that, I mean, you you can get Advent calendars that give you a piece of Lego every day. I'm going to say they are good. I do like Lego ones. Yeah. Oh, this yeah. is a revelation. And the scales have fallen from my eyes. Oh, is this where we are in 2023? This is the reality a... of life in Sunak's Britain. Yeah. Yeah. Lego Advent, Advent calendars. Oh, Lego Advent calendars. Advent calendars that give you a little miniature of gin every day, or a <laughs> candle every day, or a, some skincare or makeup every day. Or I mean, there was I've... a coffee one with coffees from around the world. Co- where yeah, it was teas. one of the things that I, whenever I've got people angry on Twitter, it's never been when they've been trying to. It's when they've done things like say tweeted what I thought of each day's coffee. And suddenly people reply, yes, all right, we get the point. You've got a coffee advent calendar. I'm like, all right. But everywhere you look, there's somebody doing, hey, here's day 12 of my advent calendar of Paul Weller against a blue background. And nobody gets annoyed about that, but this is a real advent calendar. Find somebody a skincare advent calendar. That's a bit of a poke in the eye, isn't it? Oh, I've had one. I don't think I'd be too chuffed if somebody bought me a skincare advent calendar. (laughs) You could have a a different type of acne cream in every window. (laughs) Not saying anything, Bob. Deodorant advent calendar. (laughs) (laughs) Merry Christmas, you smell. Maybe by Christmas Eve, you might smell halfway decent. Make sure you don't skimp any days. Can you? Mm. Oh, they're hundreds of pounds, some of these. My, oh, my a girl, oh. girlfriend of mine gets the Liberty Advent Calendar because her birthday's the 19th of November and her husband buys her the Liberty Advent Calendar for her birthday ready so she can start opening it in December. And it's it's got all this posh skincare and makeup in it each day and it's well over 200 quid. How big are these bloody advent calendars? Oh, they're massive! <laughs> you have to, you have to mount them on the wall. Must <laughs> look like the, the bloody set from Celebrity Squares, some of these. 
Oh, I'd love an advent calendar where I opened it and Willie Rushton was there. Yeah, that absolutely. <laughs> oh, they should you, do a punchlines been... one where they move. <laughs> or a blankety blank one where you've got the people in the right they've, they've brought blankety blank back and they've messed about with the system haven't they oh Bob? there's absolutely there's a format absolutely there's a very strict format to the seating arrangements on the blank well there used to be but there is there used to be yeah absolutely all gone they've to pot now hasn't it top left would always be someone like bill tidy or willie rush yeah. indeed or barry yeah. cryer who would barry always cryer. start every single response with well terry we're both men of the world <laughs> <laughs> or, indeed, or, indeed, or indeed, Willie Rushton. Willie Rushton was bang up for the top left yeah, hand spot. Top left. Middle uh, top. Beryl Rees. Yeah, Molly Sugden. Yeah. A matriarch, basically. Yeah, yeah. Always a good one. June yeah, go on. possibly there. Yeah, and then good. Top right. Go on. Alfred Marx. Oh, right, Could okay. Derek Nimmo yes. would be yeah, good for top good, right, I think. Was, I think in latter day Blankety Blank, the Dawson years, you'd sometimes get a newcomer in the top right slot. You Philip might get Franks a very, or somebody. Yes, you might get a very young Shane Ritchie in the top right slot. Yeah. Or the, sometimes they'd put a sporting person there. I, I would have, That's I true. Would have yes. known Henry Cooper top right. Yes, 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 absolutely. Yeah. Got right, bottom row. Bottom row, you've got female. On yeah. the left, yeah. someone like Sabrina Frank. I was just, I, what I was about to say was someone your dad fancied, bottom left. <laughs> Susan or, Penhaligon. Yeah. Carol Drinkwater. Like, Anuska Hempel. <laughs> Middle was your big star comedian. Yeah, absolutely. Everett. Carson. Everett. Frank Carson would sit there. Yeah, Bernie uh, Clifton. But, oh, yeah, someone like that. That was your, mid, that was your star draw. And then... Bottom right was your ditzy female. That's right, so yes. You're looking at Amy McDonald there. Yes. Who would always say, I tried to see what Kenny you put, he wouldn't let me yeah. see, so I put this. <laughs> and they couldn't spell it. They could never spell it. And and they always took the piss out of them. Yeah. Lorraine Chase, Sandra yeah, Dickinson. Lorraine. Yeah, that's it. That's who would sit there. And now they've messed up with mess with the order. Tony, if you watch the new one with Bradley Walsh, you've got women sitting where men used to sit. You've got top draw comedians in the wrong... Oh, I can't be doing with it. It's just the modern world, Georgie. You've just got to roll with it. I want an advent calendar where I'm going to open door number 14 and there's Willie Rushton there. Yeah, <laughs> Can I just point out he's been behind three different numbered doors now? Is this just a Willie Rushton advent calendar? It's I can't, the same honestly, picture Tim, of him behind honestly, each Tim, one. I had five years of this on BBC Local Radio. <laughs> you wouldn't believe. Once you get us started on Willie Rushton, that's it. We'll be here all night now. <laughs> well, I don't think there was, unfortunately, anything ever Willie Rushton related in the catalogue, which, you know, when you mention that people always think of the Argos catalogue now that's what everyone refers to but mm. to me it's to a lesser extent the K's catalogue but mainly the Grattan catalogue Grattan yes. and the, the joy of thumbing through that and heading straight for the toy pages you know well, looking you at the, the Star Wars vehicles with the magnifying glass to try and see which figure they, <laughs> they put driving them whether it's correct and all the kids playing with toys, regardless of gender, look like Matt Berry. <laughs> what, with a beard? Pretty much. <laughs> but the, actually, there's something that I'm hoping that both of you might be able to sort out for me, which is I have a very vivid memory. I can't remember which catalogue it was or which year. It was definitely early 80s. But in the toy section, there was a whole parade 
of, you know, replica popular ventriloquist dummies. You know, there was your Orville and your Emu. For the sake of argument, there probably wasn't, but, you know, Lord Charles, that sort of thing. There was a Nucky Bear. Mm. There was Collier's Cockerel, which is ostensibly <laughs> Norman Collier's Cockerel. Now, my analysis of this is that he... I don't think for a second he had a puppet cockerel. Maybe he had a routine about one, somebody made the toy of it. But I well, found he did a, he nothing did a to back routine, this up. Didn't he? He oh, did he? Oh, yeah. making sense yeah. now. Yeah. Didn't he he'd, like, pull his jacket up over his shoulders and he'd do like a chicken walk? So somebody yeah. made a toy of that, but it was a natural cockerel. I wish I'd known I'd have had that. No, I didn't know that. Yeah, Norman Collier had two routines. He had the microphone that kept going on and yeah. off, and he had the chicken, and that was Absolutely. It. He was a rare example of a two-trick pony. Yeah. 40 years in the business with those two routines, and he always worked. He always worked. Fantastic. Never out of work. Which catalogue did Lulu advertise? Was that Freeman's? That was Freeman's, yeah, Freeman's. yes. It was Freeman's, yeah. right, okay. Yeah, my, my I think Freeman's was Empire. just clothes, wasn't it? Oh, was it? Right, okay. Yeah, I don't know, possibly. We had them all. We had it Empire, Empire catalogue. Empire catalogue? It was like Darth Vader's <laughs> range of uh, <laughs> goods for Christmas. No, the Empire catalogue. Yeah, that had, that had clothes and it had homeware and it had toys. It had, you know, the whole... And it had underwear. Go on. Let's be honest. We all went and looked at the underwear. No idea. Completely over my head here, Georgie. You Sorry. Lying toad. <laughs> you went and looked at the undies bit. You must have done. I just went to see if there was a sexy pudsy in there anywhere. <laughs> I just always come back to Paul Merton saying he always wanted to model for underpants and catalogues where all it involved was standing next to another man and pretending to look at something far yeah. away. That's and right, point, yes. And point in the distance. Yeah. yeah. With a, with a, what like, are they an, pointing a, at? A sexy pudsy on the other page. <laughs> With their elbow on the other guy's shoulder. Yes. Just stood there in their pants. <laughs> but it was. I mean, we were talking about more innocent types of advent calendars. That was the height of erotica for oh, yeah, <laughs> anyone of a certain age in those days. Yeah. Before you were old enough to go out and look under a hedgerow. <laughs> you, had your, you, had, you had your mum's catalogues. <laughs> oh, dear. Yes. Well, I mean, it, you, you well... Sometimes it didn't leave much to the imagination, did it? You know, I mean, it was... <laughs> it's a good job I didn't have any imagination as a child. <laughs> Very literal. Kay's catalogue. That was another one, wasn't it? Kay's catalogue. Kay's catalogue. That was right. And yes. And you paid weekly, didn't you? And you'd it, people would buy stuff out of my mum's catalogue, and she'd run this catalogue, and then she'd say, "Oh, it's twenty weeks at four pounds sixty-two or whatever." That's right. Well, I used to try and use those figures to convince my mum that if she bought me, you know, a Star Wars Imperial Troop Transporter for Christmas, go on, look, it's only 23 pence a week. <laughs> for the rest but, uh, of your life. For, for, yeah. the, for the next 27 years, <laughs> yes. And uh, see, uh, Georgie will now immediately tell us how much that comes to. And if she's the <laughs> Norfolk sons at the Carol Vorderman. Suffolk, not Norfolk. <laughs> Suffolk, sorry. <laughs> God blind me! I've actually been to your local pub as well. Sorry. I know, I know. And I took you, I took you into Farnham, didn't you? Where we sung, "You're the Voice." We did, yes. <laughs> as we went over the bridge. 
It's a local what? tradition, Tim. Oh, dear. You don't know the I, half. No, no, I can't work that out, to be honest with you. <laughs> Come back to us at the end of the programme. <laughs> I'll it out for you. But, and there was me with all my notes saying, oh, they made things that were just made of card, like, you know, the Palatoy Death Star look exciting. You've taken it yeah. off into more esoteric areas, should we say, about <laughs> what kids might have found exciting. Don't blame me for this, it's her. <laughs> She's the one that's lowered the tone here. You got none of that in the Argos catalogue, I'll tell you that much. I just came here to talk about Lords of Leaping and canned goods. <laughs> well, maybe we should move on to a more wholesome sort of festive Probably. periodical, which yes. is the Christmas Radio and TV Times. Now, oh. what I want to know is, before, you can't really say they merged in 1991, but they were allowed to carry each other's listings from that point on. That's when it yeah. changed. That's the year I tried getting the Christmas TV Times. I had the Darling Buds of May on the cover of Philip Franks again, and it wasn't quite the same. We've been Radio Times ever since, but was there one that you preferred prior to that kind of liberalisation of the schedules? I've preferred the Radio Times because, well... Ironically, given that, you know, they said there's so much more than TV Times in TV Times magazine, it was actually Radio Times felt like it had more in it. And my favourite thing was always in the Christmas ones, the way it would have, well, technically a freeze of the stars of various genres, you know, <laughs> wow. like all, all the big actors that were going to be in something, you know, with yes. paper hats on, pulling crackers. But my favourite one ever was the comedy lineup in 1980. They had, in amongst, you know, your Little and Larges and your Two Ronnies and so on, Edward Woodward who very early in the year had a sitcom called Nice Work that nobody watched. It disappeared, right. but they must have already recorded a Christmas special for it. <laughs> so it was on, and he was there. And he even looked like he was like, his expression was basically, are you sure? And he's trying to <laughs> talk up this completely dispensed with programme. I have no recollection of Nice Work whatsoever. But I could. I'll, it I'll wasn't be... nice, and it was work. <laughs> right, okay, yeah, hard work. <laughs> I can go the year earlier than that. I have a genuinely magical memory of the Christmas Radio Times. The great thing about talking about 1984 is that it remains one of the few years of my life where I kept a diary entry every single day. So, and I was 11 in 1984, turned 12 in the November. So I have this absolutely priceless record of the complete tedium that filled my days. In 1980s Teesside. So I can tell you that we bought the Christmas Radio Times on Friday the 14th of December 1984. And we bought it. I'd actually, I'd finished school early because I had a dentist's appointment in Stockton to have a brace removed. This is, I, I mean, try and control yourselves here. And you um, can do what you like at your school. You could probably just come and go as you please. <laughs> oh, no, this was, this was secondary school. Oh, this was a completely different kettle of fish. It was like Colditz. <laughs> so, but I got, I managed, I managed to escape. I got past the watchtowers and the searchlights. Was it the cardboard watchtowers from the action? And the, and, the, <laughs> and the school leopard went to my dentist appointment on the bus with my mum, and then afterwards, uh, it was about ten minutes walk into Stockton High Street. So we walked into the town centre. So bear in mind, this is going to be about five o'clock on a Friday evening, uh, on the fourteenth of December. It was pitch dark, it was freezing, one of those lovely, sparkly winter's evenings that I still adore. We went into WH Smith's in Stockton and we bought the Christmas Radio Times. And it's the one with, it's got like a, it's got a red cover and it's got like a wreath 
like a holly wreath that makes Santa's oh, face on the yes. cover. It's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember standing at the bus stop in Stockton High Street, reading the Christmas Radio Times and looking to see what I really wanted to know was whether the Box of Delights was going to be on on Christmas Eve. And obviously, you know, famously, it was the final episode of the Box of Delights broadcast Christmas Eve 1984. And literally, as I read that at the bus stop in Stockton High Street, it started to snow. And it's one of the most magical memories of my childhood. And I'm getting a bit wobbly just thinking about it now. It was genuinely lovely. I feel quite mean now bringing up my biggest observation about the Christmas Radio Times in particular, which is that... Do you remember the way at the end of it, there was be adverts for summer holidays? Oh, yes. They're yes. pouring cold water on Christmas before <laughs> it even started. Yeah, well, we never went on holidays. Lardy <laughs> Dark Gunner Worthington here with his posh childhood going hey, on fancy just, summer holidays. We just went to Landudno every year. <laughs> Landudno every year. Oh, I, I sat alone in my ice-covered bedroom on Teesside with dreaming your boxing of an glove annual, on the spring and, coming out and, of your and, summer holiday adverts. Oh, oh an annual visit to Landudno. No, I dreamt of such luxury. Uh, I have to say, one of the things I always hated about Christmas sort of coming to an end, and by coming to an end, I meant actual like Christmas night, was that the adverts on TV changed. They weren't for toys and Christmassy things anymore. They yes. were for holidays. And all, yeah, Christmas night, obviously, they weren't advertising. Christmassy things anymore. There was no adverts for toys or for supermarkets or Christmas food or Woolies Christmas adverts. It started to become adverts for holidays, and I didn't want to see sunshine and swimming pools and things. Mm. I wanted Leslie Crowther back. And also, tapes. the next day, you get the adverts for the MFI sale, yeah. Tommy Ball's shoe warehouse, <laughs> and also half price cleaning at Johnson's, which would be at three. T- I don't know if it's the same. If they had a Johnson's in every region, but it would be about three times every outbreak, it'd have a static card just with a little circular inset picture of a Johnson's. Yeah. And the big logo saying half price cleaning at Johnson's. And the voice over saying half price cleaning at Johnson's, <laughs> all boxing day. <laughs> On like a really cheap synthesizer. There's a thing. You don't. Regional TV adverts with no moving pictures at all. Yeah. There's an art we've lost, isn't it? Just yeah. absolutely a static advertising card with a voiceover <laughs> who was tommy ball tommy ball he was i was had in my head as a kid he was a fusion of tommy yeah. cannon the bobby was ball about, was, there blo- shoes. was there like was there like a rival shoe seller called bobby cannon across the street <laughs> i don't know but tommy balls was just like a massive warehouse of shoes but he only had one of each pair Ostensibly <laughs> stopping absconding with new shoes, but you know, there must have been loads of like blokes hopping down the street going, ah, I've got one quality shoe. Bobby Cannon had the other one. <laughs> yeah. She had to shop in both warehouses to get the full set of shoes. <laughs> I mean, of course she was looking at you, Tommy, if you only have one shoe on. <laughs> but I just found all those adverts depressing because it meant Christmas mm. was over. And I hate New Year. I absolutely hate New Year's Eve and New Year with a passion. And so I was like, oh, I don't want this. I want Christmas to come back. I want all the excitement again. And of course, it was just, yeah, it was sales and holidays. And I was like, oh, 
No, I want toys and Woolworths. <laughs> Did you not find there was a certain air of anticlimax that would set in on Christmas Day anyway, though? Yeah. I used to realise every single year, because the excitement would build up to like absolutely insane levels. Mm. I mean, genuinely, for the first probably 11 or 12 years of my life, I barely slept on Christmas Eve. Yeah. It was very, very difficult to get to sleep. But then you'd get to a point by about half past one in the afternoon. <laughs> I was like, all right, OK, is that it then? What should we what do now? Because all the best bits gone, hasn't it? You've had your presents. Yeah. You've had your big Christmas lunch. Yeah. And that's, that's, they were the two bits I was really looking forward to. If that's we're being it. honest, it's set there, in okay. the second. There was something rubbish on the television first thing, which is, you know... <laughs> You might strike it lucky. You might get, well, not strike it lucky. It I mean, I hope that lucky. was never on Christmas <laughs> Day. But, you know. You, I bet it was. Like a couple of times show children in the ice world first thing or things like an Osmond family Christmas. But then there'd be some religiously themed imported cartoon. Actually, yes. they were never imported, but they just felt like they were. <laughs> and of mysterious provenance. And the second that happened, you kind of knew. Yeah, I think Christmas Eve was more exciting, really. I've always, throughout my childhood, I I think I kind of came to the conclusion that Christmas Eve was more exciting than actual Christmas Day. Well, was Christmas Eve 1984, Bob, the year that you saw Santa Claus Conquers the Martians on Channel 4? No, it was 1983. (laughs) This is why you two were on local radio and not me. Well, I can I can do that bit if you want me to, Tim. Please. 1984 was all about the Box of Delights. 1983 was about Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. So this is, I think we've talked a little bit before about the early days of Channel 4, which was almost the kind of, it was like, the, it was like my primary school. It was like the Woodstock, the, the permissive society of 1980s TV. Anything went on Channel 4 in the early 1980s. I don't know how I got wind of this. I guess just by going through the radio time, maybe the TV times, wouldn't it? Going through the TV times that year. I'm realising that on Christmas Eve 1983, Channel 4 was screening a film called... I mean, it's a 1964 science fiction B-movie, Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. It's about... Basically, the Martians are, are quite repressed and they decide to cheer themselves up. They need to kidnap our Santa Claus and take him back to Mars. That is the gist of the film, and it was screened on Channel 4 as part of a series called The Worst of Hollywood, introduced by Michael Medved, who I think was the founder of the Golden Turkey Award. Yes, he was. I had that book, yeah. He made a career out of pinpointing terrible films and talking about them. So he introduced the screening on Channel 4, 10.30pm, Christmas Eve. And then in my head, I can find no evidence of this at all on YouTube or anything. I think he would pop up again during the film. He would be kind of like CSO'd. He would be green screened into the film itself really badly and he would point at stuff and say, look how terrible this bit of scenery looks. So anyway, I watched that and one thing he definitely pinpointed was the fact that Pia Zadora is in Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. She's she's about 10, she plays a Martian child. But Pia Zadora was one of those, again, we've done this before, Tim. She's like a tabloid celebrity in the 1980s, ostensibly an actress, but you'd never have seen any of her films. You'd have just read about her in the tabloids. 
I can't, for the life of me, I can't think why. I, I was aware of Pia Zadora and, and her body of work as an 11 year old in 1983. So I watched the film. Genuinely, my it's just a lovely, tiny, magical memory of watching Santa Claus Conquers the Martians while reading the hardback Target Books novelization of Doctor Who, The Web of Fear, which I've just checked today and it now goes for upwards of £200. So I wish I'd kept hold of that and not given it back to my primary school's library. And sitting with my gran in the midst of all this, late night, the very dying embers of Christmas Eve, waiting for my parents to get back from the pub. And they'd gone for a pint on Christmas Eve. And I still find, if I could distill this, the smell of my parents returning from the pub is one of the most evocative smells of my childhood. A kind of mixture of beer, cigarette smoke and perfume. And it's genuinely, if I could smell that now, I'd be transported back to being 11 years old again. It was the most evocatively adult smell you could ever encounter and that all of that just all of that just set me up for Christmas Day 1983 because I knew beneath the Christmas tree that <laughs> my dad had found in a nearby wood would be the most obscure games console that anybody has ever got for Christmas I had a, a Philips G7000 video pack waiting for me the next day so there you go well, my equivalent to that is that I've mentioned this many times, but I think everyone's trying to forget about it. Christmas Eve in 1988. Can you guess what the BBC's big film on BBC One was? For the accompaniment of wrapping presents. Is that Shian Andalou, Salvador Dali? Well, you know, you're not, honestly, you're not <laughs> that far on. away because it was Jagged Edge, the early 80s psychological thriller. <laughs> there were loads of complaints on points of view the following week people saying why I expected something why? cheerful <laughs> and the per- in retrospect the person I feel most sorry for is that's kind of you know Michael Palin had just arrived back from doing Around the World in 80 Days he spent a couple of days yeah. in bed he gets up thinks ooh what's on TV that can have a jolly good old relaxed him with jagged edge and the next day the big film is John Cleese and Silverado's <laughs> <laughs> I like that. It speaks volumes about you, Tim. The first thought that crossed your mind. So I bet Michael Palin's not happy with this. (laughs) That does exercise me a lot, that thought. (laughs) What would Michael Palin do? That's what we have to base our lives on. WWMPD on a T-shirt, please, for Christmas. Have it on a bracelet. He'd just be disarming. He'd just be incredibly nice to everybody, wouldn't he? Yeah, I would have thought so. Absolutely. Well, there's a slight adjunct to, you know, the Christmas radio and TV times and things being shown on Christmas Eve. I just wanted to bring up the various... I mean, people get really excited about the BBC Christmas whatever they have now as the identity. You know, it's usually David Tennant tapping the screen, even when he's <laughs> not in Doctor Who, or Wallace and Gromit sort of looking outwards. But yes. when they used to have an actual physical replacement for the Globe or for the two on BBC Two, ITV, actually, they never... Re- you would get the ITV on the trailer, you get ITV in ice. And then if you were lucky... <laughs> your region might put a tiny bit of snow on the Granada G or something. Mm. And that was about it. But BBC, they would have things like there was the year with the revolving Santa head, the year with the Christmas pudding, the carolers that broke down just after they started moving. My favourite, the skaters who were terrifying. And every morning were before California fever. (laughs) 
the children's <laughs> programme slot, which is, I mean, when I was a guest on Looks Unfamiliar, I talked about how much I loved those showings of California Fever, but there would be all kinds of odd things. And Bob, you mentioned the Cambridge Buskers showing up one year in the Christmas on BBC One trailers. Yeah, I was unaware who they were until quite recently. I just remembered two hairy men popping up. I think it's 1979. <laughs> Not Willie Rushton before Georgie gets excited. <laughs> Two whiskery chaps, luxuriant in the sideburn regions, popping up on BBC One. Uh, kind of, does one have an accordion and one has a recorder? Sorry, to, I don't know if I've triggered your PTSD here <laughs> again, Georgie. One definitely has an accordion. I don't remember. Oh, maybe they do. Oh, I think... singing. No, I think there's a whistle involved. I think there's a yeah, a bit of that going don't on. Don't they sort of ostensibly play them in not comical ways? Not, you know, like trying to play with their nose or doing, you know, a Jimi Hendrix to play it behind the heads, but sort of like in a wistful <laughs> way, sort of, I oh, think so. I'm a garrulous fellow. <laughs> I think so. I think there's a, there's a bit of what actors call a bit of business going on, I think. <laughs> There's a bit, <laughs> a bit of that. Yeah, I do remember the Cambridge Buskers, and I, I think they aren't they immortalised on one of those illicit BBC Christmas tapes. One for the boys yes. in VT. Yes, there. yes, <laughs> yes, they are. They are. They are on one of the bloopers, the special bloopers. I think they may soundtrack the start of the 1979 BBC Christmas tape. (laughs) Isn't the schedule laid out to the sound of the Cambridge Buskers and then it all falls away apart from the first letter of every line of the schedule, which spells fucking arseholes. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, a lot of those Christmas tapes... They're not very watchable. The 1979 one definitely is. They're of their time, shall we say. Yeah. yeah. There is very much a culture that's of its time. But the Cambridge Buskers were an actual act who would turn up in the middle of things like the Russell Harty show. Yeah. And do sort of like they start doing like a sort of folky rhythm. And then you'd slowly realise it was Karma Chameleon. And the audience (laughs) fall about laughing. Yeah, they were a good variety turn, weren't they? But I assume they actually went to Cambridge University. I'm now going to look them up and see if they came from Cambridge. You would hope so, but they they had that sort of... It was like somebody had seen Vivian Stanshaw and thought, we need to do that but not frighten the horses. (laughs) Yes, exactly. We need to do that so your grandma can watch it. (laughs) (laughs) But wasn't that all... They were called the classic buskers to start off with, but they did meet when they were students at Cambridge University, so they changed Ah, right, okay, fair enough. The other BBC ident that I recall, was there one that was a particularly pathetic-looking revolving robin that Noel Edmonds blew up? Oh, yes, it was two sort of robins perched on the log, sort of flapping their wings at each other. Yes, and Noel Edmonds shot them with a blunderbuss on the late breakfast show. Do you know what? I was just about to say, was there a blunderbuss involved? That's a thing you don't see much anymore, a blunderbuss. Shooting buckshot. Yeah, no, they destroyed it live on the Late Late Breakfast Show. Yeah. The BBC had received so many complaints about it. Well, legends are told of apparently the year they had the revolving pudding, Emu ate it on Emu's broadcasting company. (laughs) So I don't know what happened to the Santa, probably, like, because it looked... Actually, I'm messing with time a little bit here, but I like to think Dell and Rodney went, Albert, what are you doing there? <laughs> Marched him off. It did look incredibly like Buster Merrifield. Can, can I just say, the Cambridge Buskers, apparently, they gained international success with their performances. They performed in over 20 countries in 15 languages until September 2016, when they disbanded after an incident in Shanghai. <laughs> now, they, this is on... 
with their Wikipedia Hang page. On. Does it but, say but, citation needed? Citation needed. No, it doesn't. It doesn't say citation needed. It wasn't. It, also it wasn't. Was it sexy pointy? What the incident was in Shanghai. Crikey. Was it sexy? Yeah. It is reported that at one point a Japanese comic strip was written about them. <laughs> is there a, there's Cambridge Buskers manga. What was the incident? <laughs> what was the Cambridge Buskers incident in Shanghai? I think it's maybe best that we don't know. I was going to oh. say, let's not speculate because, you know, I've, yeah. no. I've never had to edit one of these for libel before. But... <laughs> no. I might have done, actually, I, I, but I, I, I'm not saying tr- any more about that. Tr- trust me, you don't want to get on the wrong side of the Cambridge Buskers legal team. <laughs> those, 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 boys, <laughs> those boys are shit hot, honestly. <laughs> take you to the cleaners they will let's not speculate on what happened in shanghai that's all it says on wikipedia and we'll just leave it there let's just say it was the plot of the film shanghai surprise (laughs) 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 which was never shown on christmas eve and i wish it had been It probably was on one of those channels, like way on Channel 723. I bet it's on Christmas Eve this year. Perhaps the Cambridge Buskers were doing like Madonna's back catalogue. They were were doing Madonna's what? Back catalogue. All right. Okay. Well, it is Christmas. As a a witty topical joke in 1986, they open your heart and Felix Howard came on and started dancing with them. (laughs) They did open your heart and Felix Boness came on and danced with them. No, he was a proper blank of the blank fixture. Oh, he, <laughs> was. he was a fixture, I, wasn't he? Oh, he was. I'd like him in an advent calendar. You open up the door. <laughs> well, that's what I want. I want a Heidi High advent calendar where you open the door every day and you get Peggy or Mr. Partridge or Yvonne and Barry Hargreaves. That's Surely somebody on with. Twitter can sort that out for you. We live in the age of the 3D printer, Georgie. <laughs> well, we're coming up to the last thing on my list now, and it's something Probably for the best. That I hope, Bob, you're not going to lie by on the part of this, but <laughs> you mentioned this to both of us, and we both yeah. basically just replied sort of, what? So I'm not even <laughs> going to attempt to explain it. You start from the beginning. Well, you know that we were speculating that the chocolate train in your school fates was possibly some kind of magic mushroom-inspired fever dream. I see your chocolate train, Tim Worthington, <laughs> and I... <laughs> and I... I and I raise you the Middlesbrough Methodist tableau, which was basically in the run-up to Christmas every year, certainly when I was a child in the 1970s and 80s, the Methodist chapel on Linthorpe Road, the main street of Middlesbrough Town Centre, would devote a window to basically a selection of scenes from the Nativity that were acted out by churchgoers standing stock still for hours at a time often with a live sheep incorporated into the tableau. Is Gilbert and George? (laughs) (laughs) Did it have that music in the background? (laughs) At the time, it felt entirely normal. With the benefit of hindsight, I concede it is somewhat unusual. Basically, half a dozen churchgoers would stand in the Methodist chapel window dressed as Mary, Joseph... Assorted Magi, Shepherds, Archangel Gabriel, the lot, full costume with a manger. I assume with a doll from Roma Parish's toy shop, which is directly opposite on Linthorpe Road. And they would start. Now, I put this on Facebook a couple of weeks ago, and 
opinion seemed to be slightly divided as to, as to how long they had to stand there without moving. In, how long in... was it? Well, it was kind of like it was a permanent fixture. They were there all day. So they, but... it wasn't like Pudsy. They didn't have shifts. I, th- I think they must surely have operated some kind of Pudsy shift system. Yeah, they must have. Uh, apparently they would stand there for a while and then there would be a break where the lights would go down. And you could you could basically see you could see the three wise men like lighting a cigarette for a shepherd. <laughs> <laughs> oh blimey, that was a, that was a long shift, Sid. And they'd shuffle off, and some replacement wise men would shuffle in before the lights went up again. What was gained from their static nature? Was some sort of like reverence Joy. or something? Joy. Joy. <laughs> that was shame. Come... <laughs> she was Mary. I'll tell you what was what was gained. Comfort and indeed joy. <laughs> what about the tidings? Tidings were optional in 1970s Middlesbrough. You had to pay extra for them. Was this near to the electricity board showroom in a callback to one of your previous appearances where there was an organist? <laughs> and did he start playing? And then he said, All oh, my loving then. Did he and they still like the 12 days of Christmas or exactly, Silent Nights yes. or something. That was, uh, there wasn't a million miles away. Where did away. they get yeah, all but... my loving from? The Neeb showroom. I mean, that, I was, that uh, is seemed... what people should play on an organ, to be fair. I see. You seem to be playing Tie a Yellow Ribbon Round the Old Oak Tree, which admittedly isn't a Christmas song. But uh, whenever, whenever I went into the Neeb showroom, which, which wasn't uh, it wasn't on a regular basis because it wasn't a hugely exciting place for a five-year-old to go, when my mum had to go and pay the lecky bill, there would be a bloke in there playing a Hammond organ, yes. I bet it would have been a Hammond organ, will it? It wasn't Booker T, for crying out loud. Probably <laughs> like a Bon Tempe. Did the tableau remain the same? Was it like, you know, where Blackpool illuminations would go up and that was it? You get the same, well, freeze with light bulbs on it for months on end. Or did they actually vary it? Did they show different scenes in the nativity as December went along? Were there any canned goods depicted in it? I think the sheep shifted around a bit. Actual animals. How did they get the animals to stay still? Hypnosis. (laughs) (laughs) The men who stare at goats. (laughs) It was just the same imagery for a whole month. I believe with the same so. People standing I don't, I don't, there. It was a nativity scene with everybody gathered around a crib. Yes. Is it at all related to the way in the Raymond Review Bar in the sixties, like they were allowed to have exactly like exotic that. dancers as long as they stood still and they didn't yes. move? Because the three, the three, the three, ironically, the th- like the underwear pages in the catalogue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If the three wise men had moved around too much, it would have aroused the shoppers of Middlesbrough to unseemly excitement. <laughs> I thought you were going to say it would have aroused the shepherds. <laughs> what are they doing? Well, yeah. They were watching their flocks at night. They were watching, yeah, watching their flocks by night, absolutely. Till the angel of the Lord came down and switched to ITV. <laughs> put on the Grumbleweeds Christmas radio show. <laughs> Nobody put that on ever. <laughs> With Wilf Gasmas Grimshaw. Sorry, I feel, like I'm, I feel like I'm heading wildly off topic here. The Methodist tableau was a big thing in Middlesbrough in the 1970s. And curiously, it, it doesn't seem to exist anymore. It's 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 probably been outlawed by Bring by some. U- I, I imagine the UN have decided it contravenes <laughs> several international agreements. Bring it back! Bring it all back! I want to see it. This sounds amazing. Uh, I have found some pictures of it, and when this goes out, I might I might stick them on the socials. I'm going to wager that they're missing one important thing, and that's an a leaping lord. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> well, that would have been far too much movement. I mean, far yeah. too much excitement for the Methodist tableau. Yeah, but if a passing lord, you know, be out know, celebrating the merriment of the season, so by Jove, I'll, I'll leave. <laughs> you were suggesting earlier on that said lord may have been a bit tipsy, so he wouldn't have been yeah. welcome in the Methodist chapel, would he? No, no absolutely. Just imagine that they're all stood there, stock still in this beautiful tableau, and suddenly <laughs> this lord leaps over. Over them like some kind of high jump. Hi! <laughs> like Eric Markham. Yeah, waggling his glasses with his glasses. No! Going, oh, oh, oh. The boy's a fool. <laughs> There'd be somebody oh, playing Sleigh Ride tableau? on the recorder to accompany yeah. them. How <laughs> oh, about this for a tableau? Wahey! Yeah, there we go. <laughs> So there we go. Bring back the Middlesbrough Methodist tableau and my Christmases will be merry forevermore. And bring back the chocolate train. The Georgie, what would you like to bring back? Oh, what would I like? The Christmas disco. The school Christmas disco. A woolly Rushton in an advent calendar. But I never had him. That's just a sort of fever dream. It's just a rumour. That's just a (laughs) rumour. Willie Rushton in an advent calendar at the school Christmas disco. Bursting out. (laughs) Bursting out of a a giant advent calendar with a skincare product in his hand. That sounds like a light entertainment version of Cluedo. (laughs) Willie Rushton in the school hall with an advent calendar. We'd all watch, Georgie. We'd all watch. We'd all watch it. Channel 5 would put it on. They'll put out on. Snap your hands off. I'm going to call a halt to this before we get any more. Not the libel laws you want to worry about, Sunshine, it's the obscenity laws. Exactly! (laughs) This has got nothing on Jagged Edge. (laughs) (laughs) How did we used to get away with this stuff every afternoon? We didn't, they got rid of us. They're far too entertaining for them, you know. you get rid of them. <laughs> and that's why you've ended up on here. So, yeah, Merry Christmas, both of you. Merry Christmas to everyone who's been a guest this year, everyone who's listened, and just anyone who, you know, enjoys something familiar, and just anyone who brings a bit of, well, non seasonal joy to it, because most of the time it's not seasonal at all. And thank you both for making great appearances this year. So, once again, happy Christmas to you and to everyone at home. Happy Christmas, everybody. Happy Christmas, everyone. On Your Telly by Tim Worthington. From Fish to Fun to Ski Boy, the ultimate guide to the TV that time forgot. Find out more at timworthington.org. <laughs>